Enter the creative world of Mind Your Own Marketing Business. Explore a variety of trends in the creative landscape, getting insider knowledge from the industry's best. Fjord is proud to present Mind Your Own Marketing Business with host Tim Barsness. Thanks for joining us on the Mind Your Own Marketing Business podcast. I'm Tim Barsness, founder of web and mobile development team Fjord. And today on our show, uh, we will be speaking with May Cromwell about her SEO-driven content marketing agency, Pacific. Welcome to the show, May. Hi, thanks for having me. We're glad you could be here. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about Pacific? Absolutely. So Pacific started as an SEO-driven agency. The focus is very much on SEO, performance marketing. And we noticed that it can't operate in a bubble. It's not just about optimizing for search engines. There are all of these other elements that play a role. And there's also the fact that Google is in itself valuing experiences that are more holistic and that really reflect what they believe the consumer is looking for. So by virtue of that, our scope of uh, capabilities really expanded and we grew our content marketing practice to be really integrated and to incorporate both the performance metrics and the creative elements and just everything we do is centered around the customer. So we really try to deliver experiences that will be valued. And what's your role at Pacific? My official title is a director of strategy, but my background is specifically in content strategy and just every touch point that a brand is going to have with a consumer, like how do you communicate with them? How do you bring a vision to life? How do you create something that's valuable? Um, So I come at things very much from that angle uh, in everything that I do here. Sure. So um, what is your background? What, uh, what, What brought you to your current role? I have always loved stories, and I think that's kind of a cliche thing to hear, but it's true. I was that person who always had her head in a book, reading constantly, consuming, and I've always looked at advertising, especially now that I'm in this kind of marketing industry, with a critical lens, and I've tried to figure out what is a brand trying to communicate to its audience, who does it think its audience is. So I started out in publishing because that is, I mean, there's an industry behind the books and the magazines and all of the content that we read all of the time. And once I realized that, I wanted to be a part of it. And that really helped me to indulge my love of storytelling, but also understand that there's a business that needs to be satisfied. And I started to kind of meld those worlds. And I think about business objectives and then how do you really communicate it? Can you describe what, what it was that compelled you? What, what is it that you love about it? I think, you know, I was watching a documentary last night, actually, because I'm, I'm cool, and it was about advertising and about the fact that there's always a message. Someone will always have a message that they're trying to communicate, and it's hard. It's hard to communicate a message that's going out to millions of people. Um, so I think it's just that pull, that desire to kind of figure out what people care about and share stories and content and experiences with them that will reflect that and actually be real for them. There's so much noise out there. And I think when a brand gets it right, there's this sweet spot and it evokes something and it makes you feel and it makes you feel understood. And also just an element of a a byproduct of that for me is, is diversity and showing different people and different experiences and helping to just broaden what we see as being a part of the world and a part of our lived experiences. So I, I get excited about that. And I get excited about helping brands to uh, communicate in a way that is genuine and really nail that sweet spot while still thinking about their business objectives. Sure. So you, you mentioned when a, a brand gets it right. I know that you can kind of 
feel that. But how do you, how do you know when a brand gets it right? That is a great question. <laughs> um, I there is that sort of emotional response and it's not just something that you're feeling but something that other people are feeling and you start talking about it and it inspires conversation it helps a brand to be part of an ongoing conversation and then of course there is always that desire to show the impact on the bottom line how does this impact revenue and i think when you can kind of see a, a brand gain traction and really become a part of the culture in a given moment, then it's done it right. Got it. Um, so, you know, we've been talking a lot about storytelling here. Um, I'm just curious, from your words, what does storytelling mean to you? Yeah, it's such a buzzword right now, which is a little bit of a disappointment because I think it's it's complex. Um, it's not just putting words on paper. It's not just creating a video, but it's really learning what someone cares about and communicating to them in a way that will be engaging. I think that's storytelling and it's every touch point. It's not just articles. It's not just uh, traditional forms of content, but it can also be just thinking about the experience that you're trying to craft and the ways to bring it to life. And, and you can have fun with that. And I think that's what storytelling is. Definitely can have fun with that. Um, what's the coolest thing you've done in your career? That is a great question as well. I I think I treasure the small moments in a lot of ways, just that there's a campaign I was working on for a, a TV show that I actually am a huge fan of and watch. And um, they were trying to figure out what should they do, how should they communicate, what story should they tell. And I got to really be the voice behind that and then see it come to life. And then when the show actually aired and I was able to see how much what we created mirrored the, the themes and the premise of the show, it was just one of those beautiful moments that I got, I got really excited about. Sure. Um, so I'm curious, May, what is about what is it about you um, that makes you uniquely qualified for your role? Ooh, that is a tricky one. Um, I think we all have things that we love and talents and skills, and I don't think it's necessarily about being more talented or more uh, educated. You know, for some people, it's you have to get X amount of degrees, but I think it's about sitting in your experiences and the things that make you excited and i like what i do i like it a lot um as i mentioned i was watching a documentary last night about this stuff it's fun for me it's like a puzzle that i'm constantly solving and as i solve it it keeps changing and i think just that enjoyment and on a base level means that the tough days you can always get through them and the great days are really great so i think that's what makes me come to the work that i do with such enthusiasm and hopefully uh, our clients feel it <laughs> Seems like you have a um, a level of curiosity um, about the world. I'm curious, is that something that's always been? Absolutely. I used to take apart remotes to figure out how they worked. And just, I'm always curious about understanding how things work, why they were designed that way, and then what it really means for people. When I see something that was designed clearly with a specific intention, but it doesn't really fulfill that and people aren't excited about it, I want to know why. Um, I also just like understanding, I think empathy is the greatest asset that we possess. And I, I like understanding other people and trying to step into their shoes and figure out what they care about and then find the similarities between their lives and mine. And I think that is a big part of marketing, quite frankly. So it, it works together. Is your, is your empathy something you're born with or something you learn? Uh, I think all humans are capable of empathy. I think you just sort of learn when to employ it. Um, 
and how to do so and how to also protect yourself in the process because there is a such thing as being overly empathetic. Um, so yeah, I think we, we all have it. We all are seeking human connection and part of that journey is empathizing with others and, and wanting them to empathize with you. And so I think it's innate in a lot of ways, but you do have to hone it and value it. How do you personally manage that, um, that balance and empathy that you were, um, that you brought up? Uh, it's, it's going to sound so millennial, but self-care, self-care is definitely a key part of that. Knowing how to empathize with others and want their voices to be heard and, and want to give, provide a platform and, and be an active part of that, but also knowing that there are limits what every individual person can accomplish. And so you push as hard as you can for as long as you can. But when you feel fried, take a step back, breathe, and then keep going some more. Totally. Uh, so what is it about Pacific that makes, makes you guys so good at what you do? I think we have a lot of people who are just passionate. I think that does make a difference. It's not just a nine to five. You don't just clock in, clock out. We care about our clients. We want to do the best work possible. I joke all the time that we have so many type A personalities that are also creatives. And so the melding of that desire to have process and see results and we're a performance driven agency. So we want to know that what we've done has had an impact on the business on some level, but we also want to flex our creative muscles and really push boundaries. So we're constantly oscillating between those two. And I think it results in brilliant work. Interesting. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of curious, have you, how do you guys help brands engage in storytelling? There is an element of education. I think there's so much content out there. Brands have been spending so much money just trying to put things out there into the world. And now there's this push to really understand the benefit and to understand the ROI and to understand what type of content should be used on different platforms, for instance. Um, so we do kind of an education bit of like, this is how this platform functions and here's what you get with it and here's how your audience in particular is interacting with it and then show them a world of possibilities. Um, and then we partner with them. We try to be actual partners. So we don't just run off into our corner and put something together and hand it off. We try to work with them day in and day out, understand what they need. We have regular touch bases and then we support their efforts and we are advocates for their consumers as well. And I think that comes across as well in the work that we do. Sure, if you had a, um, a piece of advice for someone uh, new to story branding, what, what would that be? I think don't dismiss your instincts. It's easy to try to fold to what is on trend at, at a given moment. And in this industry, we all know that this week something's hot, next week it's something else. There's Everything's changing constantly. There are going to be new technologies, there are going to be new processes and methods and ways of doing things and thinking about it. But at the end of the day, there is sort of that human element that has to be a part of the work. We can automate as much as possible for efficiency's sake, but there still needs to be that gut, that feeling that you know something is going to resonate. Um, so I would say just kind of lean in that and see, test and validate, be like, I think this is gonna work. If it doesn't work, question it and constantly ask questions and try to just keep challenging yourself to uh, think creatively and, and be curious about the work you're doing. Totally. Um, you mentioned things are changing quick. What do you think the next big thing will be? You know, I, I think the easy answer would be, you know, continued uh, voice searches, et cetera. AI is 
just continuing to be an integral part of the work that we're doing. But I think it's more than that. I think this year and in the next couple of years, we'll see brands try to hone in more on customer lifetime value. It won't be as niche of a topic of conversation. And I think we'll start looking and trying to track consumers, um, not in a way that is creepy. I think there is a fine line to walk with da data and privacy. But trying to really understand how did a piece of content influence this consumer? Did they return? What did they do next? How did we push them down the funnel, if at all? And what I think we're going to hone in on the data a little bit more closely and try to map that out so that we can be more efficient. So if you think about the industry as a whole, I'm curious, why do you think things are changing so fast? I think it's technology. Honestly, there's always something new. And people get excited about new tech and you want to integrate it into your life. And even with there being some hesitation or worries or just fear of how quickly things are changing, it's exciting. And so with each new injection of, of some sort of technology, there has to be a response to it. And as consumers start using whatever it is, then our agencies and brands have to react and be like, all right, so if this is interesting to our customer, make sure your customer is there first. And if it's interesting to them, then how do you leverage it? How do you use it to provide a service for them that they actually want that is mutually beneficial for the brand? Sure. Um, would, you, would you say that all marketing is a ploy? I have wrestled with this for a little bit because I know uh, advertising in particular, and I know there's a slight difference between marketing and advertising, but there's this n notion of, of that we're, we're selling people on things um, dishonestly. And I think there is a lot of that out there, to be honest, but I don't think it's inherently that. I think it's about if you're offering a product or a service that you truly believe in and it, you think it will make people's lives better, how do you communicate that to them and how do you get them as excited about it as you are and so there's always going to be a sales element but it's not it doesn't have to be disingenuous um so i don't think it's a ploy but i do see why it's often perceived as such fair enough um what are some common myths or misconceptions about about the work that you do yeah i think it's this idea that well i there's definitely a notion that we kind of are just coming up with ideas it's like, we think this sounds good and that's it. That's where the analysis begins and ends. And it's not that. There's a lot of data. There's a lot of research. There's a lot of uh, conversations with actual consumers that goes into the development of marketing activities. And so just knowing that we're measured in what we're doing, we're analytical and creative, I think, is something that gets lost sometimes. And I think there's also this idea that... Um, will just lie essentially we'll say something is something that it is not and i don't think that's a good way of approaching work i am sure that happens but everywhere that i've been and especially here at pacific we don't want to sell anything that is not going to be validated at the end of the day so if we're promising in some way that this brand is going to help you we believe that it will yeah what was the term that you used it was results driven or performance driven performance driven sure Okay, got it. Um, all right, so I want to move into a couple news stories here. Um, the first one from Forbes um, is written by May. Um, it's titled, Consumers are People and That Makes Them Unpredictable. Uh, May, can you describe your article? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this piece was actually driven largely by my own experiences. I think we so often get in this mindset of like, a consumer moves down the funnel in one direction and 
they're a persona is static. You like this, you like that, and that means you'll do this. And that's not the reality. People fluctuate. You're not going to see typically on social a 30-day turnaround in your sales. Um, that's because we're engaging with brands in, in a way similar to how we engage with, with people. Um, we're not linear. We're not walking down one line. So a lot of this piece is really just talking about the fact that sometimes you kind of you get a nugget from a brand and it piques your interest, but you're not really sure if you're ready to act. Or sometimes you think you're ready to act, but you take a step back from that and you circle for a little bit and you keep an eye out for what they're doing. And as in that process, you're building affinity and you're building a, a loyalty to this brand in a lot of ways. It then results in almost a, a lifetime um, value <laughs> in a lot of ways. You, you wind up feeling like you connect with this brand on a level that's deeper than their product, but you also like their product and you become a return customer as a result. And so I just kind of walked through some of my personal instances of that with um, brands that I found interesting, but I wasn't sure I wanted to pull the trigger yet. And then I wound up becoming avid consumers and, and advocates for them. I tell everyone about these brands. Um, so you've mentioned lifetime value a couple times here. I'm, I'm curious um, if a, a brand or an organization isn't aware of their customer's lifetime value, how do they start to think about that? I think that's one of the things that we're talking about a lot here at Pacific because there are traditional metrics like click-through, engagement, etc. To, to determine how a piece of content, for instance, is performing. But how does it actually impact the lifetime value? Does it is it causing consumers to come back again and again in five years is that piece going to yield you the returns that you're looking for in the long run and um that's essentially the premise of lifetime value in, in in a way but how a brand gets to mapping that out i think varies brand to brand and so we are actively working internally to just templatize that for ourselves in the process of being able to identify when something has a really high lifetime value it's not just evergreen but it's going to increase value over time and then communicate that with our customers our clients sure i guess in theory an evergreen tree grows doesn't it yep exactly and if if it's offering value in five years and whatever it took to put it out there was worth it because you're still getting bang for your buck it hasn't just faded into uh the internet black hole where so much content eventually goes sure so what what is it about a piece of content that that keeps it evergreen I think it's the part of that is, is the relatability and the usefulness I think is incredibly important. Is it offering value to the customer? Is it something that they want to reference when they're about to use your product? Is it something that they're going to talk about uh, down the line or, when, or share with someone when they're trying to show what your brand is? Um, I think that's just a really important part of it. And if you're being useful and you're being engaging, then you're going to have a piece of content that's more evergreen. And especially if it's able to piggyback on something that's happening culturally that continues to be relevant, then it's it'll be around for a while. It's almost like the two things have to line up. The, the environment in which the content is published as well as the content itself have to both be um, enduring. Absolutely. Sure. Um, so let's get into our second story here, also from May. Um, published on Forbes.com. Uh, it is titled Five Keys to Building Consumer Trust Through Your Brand and Content. Uh, so can you tell us about the five keys, May? Yeah, absolutely. And they are, as I define them in this article in particular, you want to show your true colors. You want to know your platforms. You want to apply social listening and also understand the customer journey and really be authentic. 
And what that means is, you know, showing your true colors, you want to understand where a brand stands on whether it's an incredibly niche product or something that's a little bit more mass appeal. You want there to be some degree of transparency between the brand and the consumer so that they can understand what the brand is about on a base level and feel decide if they feel any affinity towards that. Um, in terms of knowing your platform, what content on one platform really doesn't always translate to another. So you can't plop something on your website and then put it on Instagram and expect it to be as engaging. Um, so being mindful of that, knowing where your customers are, where are they engaging with other brands that are similar to you, and then trying to design content for the platforms that you need to be on. And, and I think brands also have to be mindful of the fact that they don't need to be on every platform. So really deciding where you need to be helps in honing the messaging in the right way. Um, in terms of social listening, I, it's one of my favorite tools. Uh, we use a particular tool in-house that just, it, it gives us a lens that I feel like just a few years ago we, we didn't have. We could make assumptions and we could kind of go through manually on our own, but to be able to say there were 240,000 retweets and the, you know, the um, context around them was largely positive and here's what people are saying and here are specific examples, I think that is a tool that brands should be leveraging in general. It really helps you to understand your audience, know how they are speaking about your brand, whether or not they were excited about a campaign and just sort of see the results of that on a more qualitative level. I think it's incredible. And the customer journey, I've spoken a lot about that. You just, you want to know where consumers are going. Not everyone's in the buying phase. And so being mindful of the fact that not every piece of content needs to convert immediately. You want to really, uh, leave people nuggets and let them find your brand and engage with your brand in the way that is going to best suit them because then that helps with building loyalty as well. You don't just want to say bye 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 because it turns people off immediately. You want to kind of have some of those softer touch points. And then authenticity, it's such a buzzword but it really is important. If a brand says it does something or it believes in something and someone is able to say it doesn't, especially in today's day and age where it takes one screenshot to completely cause a campaign to implode, you want to be authentic. You want to say what you mean. You want to show your true colors and really uh, share what your brand's values are and, and see how your consumers engage with that. So those for me are really the five keys to building consumer trust and then hopefully having a long, healthy relationship with them. Sure. Um, I'm curious, if I were to start on the journey of uh, trying to create evergreen content today, um, it would take me, I mean, conceivably years to get feedback on which content is evergreen and which is not. What should I, what should I know as I get started today in order to, um, to kind of increase my likelihood of success? I think you can look at past patterns and see how content has performed for you. Because um, that will also give you an idea of what are the themes and the topics that your consumers keep returning to so you can build upon that. So I think that could be a first step. And of course, you'll know, you'll have the best lens into how something works years down the line, but no one wants to wait that long to understand if they did something successfully or not. So I think having those touch-ins like in six months, is it still kind of gaining traction? What about at the one year mark and just continually seeing how things are performing? Are there cultural things taking place that cause it to increase in traction or decrease um, to become more a part of the conversation or less? You just you kind of want to keep an eye on the data over time so that when it 
you know, when you have that longer lens and you can really look at how it performed, you have greater insight into why it performed the way it did. What is the best way to keep track of um, how content is performing over time? There are so many tools out there right now, and I'm constantly bombarded with uh, new newsletters and announcements. And I think there are, you could go old fashioned, use a spreadsheet, <laughs> it's within your control, but that gets incredibly manual. And so I think looking at something at like Google Analytics, really seeing um, how something has performed over time, just it gives you those snapshots using tools like BuzzSumo as well. And I think just leaning on everything that's out there, uh, the industry has grown so much so quickly and changed so much so quickly that there are all of these different tools that are built to help people um, track their content and understand how, they're, how it's performing. So yeah, I, I would lean on that. Don't hesitate to take the easy way in this element and use tools that are already available and then just continue building upon that over time. Sure. So we are out of time. That is it for today on the Mind Your Own Marketing Business Podcast. Thank you for joining us today, May. Wonderful. Thank you for having me. You bet. Where can people find you online? I am at, we're at pacific.co. That's our website. And then Meet Pacific on, I believe, Twitter um, and Instagram. So feel free to take a look at all the work that we're doing. We are very proud of it. You got it. And thank you to our listeners for joining us as well. Uh, you can download episodes of the program by going to fjordsdigital.com slash mindyourownmarketingbusiness or subscribing to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and iHeartRadio.